it has been my portion during my adult life to move quite a bit. In fact, um, my wife and, and I have been married 20 years, and over those 20 years, we have moved seven times. And at one point, we were moving so frequently that we became pretty good at it. I knew how to move a house. I knew how to pack it up, and people weren't afraid to come in at, and weren't afraid to come and help, as most people are afraid to come and help, because when you go there, nothing's packed. But we knew how to pack a house, and we knew how to move efficiently. And many of you, who, and some of you who grew up as perhaps army brats or in the military and often found yourself moving from location to location, you learn to embrace it. You learn to ex- accept it. You learn to make the most of it. You learn what's really most important. And you've come to look forward to the new experiences that you will have as you embrace the move. Even though it may only be for time, it may only be for season of a specific assignment that has been given to you in that place, you learn how to embrace the change. You know, as Christians, we're always on the move. This is something that we should always be mindful of, particularly at the Christmas season, that we should be reminded that like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, we are on a journey. And there's no place that we should get so comfortable that we're setting down and believing that that is the place we're going to stay for all time. But as Christians in this life, in this body, We are on a journey. We are journeying to God. We are journeying to the celestial city. We are only passing through this world. And this should hit us particularly uh, um, poignantly at Christmas time because the Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world to only dwell. He came into the world as it were to pass through. Jesus was on, as it were, a journey. He was only passing through. And this is what our text reminds us this morning. And it should put us in the mind also that we, like Jesus, are only passing through this world. Notice what the text says. This world is but for a temporary dwelling place. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. This, no doubt, is the most concise and indeed it is the most straight forward definition of Christmas and the incarnation. The word became flesh. The word. The word. The the Greek word there is lagos. It means word. But it means more than just 
word as we might think of it, but when it's referring to, in this text, it is referring to the word of God. And so therefore, it is referring to the creative word of God. The creative word of God became flesh, took on human likeness. In Psalm 33 and verse 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were, were made. That word became flesh. It is the healing power and the saving power of God. In Psalm 107 and verse 20, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. It is that word that became flesh. His creative word, his healing word, his saving word became flesh. Because you do understand when it says that the word became flesh, he who creates, he who heals, and he who saves is God. God is his word. And therefore, when it says the word became flesh, God became flesh. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. And the word in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The word became flesh. And this, beloved, is an accurate summation of Christmas. This is the miracle and the indescribable truth that we celebrate at Christmas time. This gives meaning to the holiday. The Word became flesh. If that is not what you are celebrating, then you are wasting your time. The Word became flesh. The songwriter says, the word of the Father now in flesh appearing. What became flesh? The word that was in the beginning became flesh. The word that was with God, John says, that word became flesh. The word that was God became flesh, took on human form. The one through whom all things were made. He became flesh. The one without whom nothing was made. He took on human form and became flesh. The one in whom, in whom was life and the light of all creation. He became flesh. Took on human form. As we said earlier from Philippians chapter 2, speaking of Jesus, the Word, 
the one in you in whom is life and that light of all creation. He was born in the likeness of men and found to be in human form. The word became flesh. He who was God, existed as God, having all the rights and privileges of God and the prerogative of God became like us. This is an amazing thing. Beloved, the more you contemplate it, the more you reflect upon it, the Word became flesh. The Son of God, the Eternal One who existed as God. It was Augustine who said, Speaking of Jesus, Jesus was before his own flesh. He created his own mother. He chose her in whom he should be conceived. He created her of whom he should be created. Makes you want to ask Mary a question. Mary, did you know that your baby boy was Lord of all? Creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb? And that sleepy child that you're holding is the great I am. Mary, did you know? Church, do you know? Do you know what you're celebrating this time of year? The great I am has become like you and me. The word became flesh. And notice what the Bible says he did. And he dwelt among us. This is remarkable. This is absolutely remarkable. Christ didn't just come into the world, but he dwelt among us. Did you hear that? I mean, he could have just came and stayed off all by himself. And if you're not worthy to come, you're not worthy to be in his presence. He could have came and you said, oh, yeah, Jesus came. He way up there. He up on top of that mountain. He's on that hill and no one dare come near him. But he didn't just come into the world. The Bible says that he dwelt among us. He made the world his dwelling place. He walked and talked like you and I do. He ate and slept like all of us should. He dwelt among us. The New Living Translation translates that, translates that sentence. The word became human and made his home among us. 
the Word became human and made his home among us. That is, that is good, but I like to render it a little more literally. So I think it's a little more accurate where it says the Word became flesh and he tabernacled among us. For the word there for dwell is the idea of pitching a tent. He set up his tent. He tabernacled in our midst. For a time, Christ took on an earthly body and dwelt, lived, set up his tent among us. Set up his tent. He tabernacled. And this, no doubt, we should understand as an allusion to the Old Testament tabernacle. As you might recall, when God redeemed Israel out of Egypt, he instructed them to build a place of worship in their midst. It was going to be a tent, a tent of meeting, it is called, a tabernacle. And this was the temporary dwelling place and meeting place of God with his people. And we call it temporary, but for the Israelites, it served as their meeting place for some 500 years. From the time they came out of the Exodus, right up until King Solomon, and Solomon builds the first temple, Israel met and worship God in the tabernacle. The tabernacle. It was a large, it was a rugged tent. In fact, it is called the tent of meeting. And wherever God's people moved, the tent would move. And whenever they would stop, whenever God would say, okay, rest here for a while, the first thing they were instructed to do was just put up the tent. Set up the tent in the midst of the people. And once the tent was set up, then all the tribes would position themselves around the tent as God had prescribed. And that is how they would camp for however long God would have them in that place. Like everything else in the Old Testament, beloved, that tabernacle points us to Christ. You don't understand the nature and the purpose of the tabernacle unless you understand it in light of Christ. Like everything else in the Old Testament, you don't understand the Old Testament rightly until you understand it in light of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And therefore, to understand the tabernacle, you have to look at Jesus. And there's two things I want us to see concerning that tabernacle that point us to Jesus in our text this morning. And we'll be done. Two things. The first one is that the tabernacle was full of glory. And the second thing is, is that the tabernacle was transitory. The tabernacle was full of glory. The tabernacle was transitory. The tabernacle was full of glory. Exodus chapter 40. Exodus chapter 40 tells us how Moses erected the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. 
in the midst of the people. And after it was erected in the midst of the people, God promised that he would dwell in the midst of them in the tabernacle. Notice what it says in Exodus chapter 40, beginning in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The tabernacle, this tent of meeting, was where God dwelt. It was where God had determined and delighted to meet with his people. It is where Moses would come to hear from God and get direction from God. And yet, even though Moses could go there and get direction from God, Moses was not allowed to look upon the glory as it filled the tabernacle. He couldn't look upon it. He could not look upon the glory of God in the tabernacle. Notice something in Christ. Notice that the tabernacle of God is once again in the midst of his people. For the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Once again, in Christ, God has come and he has tabernacled. He has set up his tent in the midst of his people. But this time, this time, you can look upon his glory. It has changed. It has changed. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only son from the father. Is there any wonder that when the angels appear to the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone all around them. Why? Because when Christ came into this world and dwelt among us, he did so for the revelation of the glory of God in our midst. It becomes a glory that now we can behold and marvel at. We can see it. presence of God is now revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Moses could not look at God. Exodus chapter 40 and verse 35. The angels hide their face, Isaiah chapter 6 says, and they cannot look upon God. But there in that manger, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds looked upon for the first time the face and the glory of God. And 
now we can too. He who sets up his tabernacle, his tent in our midst, now reveals to us the glory of God. And we can look upon Jesus. Makes you want to ask a question, doesn't it? Mary, did you know that your baby boy had walked where angels trod? And when you kissed that little baby, you kissed the face of God. Oh, Mary, did you know? Did you know? The tabernacle, beloved, was full of the glory of God. But now the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Look to him. If you ever want to know what God looks like, open your Bible and look at Jesus. There he is in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, in all of his wonder. You don't have to wonder what God looks like. He has shown us. It's in the face of Jesus. In the word of God. Came flesh and he dwelt among us, and we now see his glory. We see his face. He no longer hides his face from us. We see him. We see him. The tabernacle was not only full of glory, but the tabernacle was also transitory. For the tabernacle was was not meant to be a permanent place. But whenever they set up, they set it up with tent pegs. And you don't put those tent pegs in the ground for any permanency. Those tent pegs are in the ground temporarily. And it was a reminder to them that as frequently as God would have them move, the tent was to move. As far as God would have them to move, the tent was to move. For you do understand that in the Old Testament, God's people were a transitory people. They were a nomadic people. Abraham, Abraham never settled on a home. He never settled on a home. God called him out of out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, and he sent him on a journey. And Abraham never, his whole life, settled on a home. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, again verse 9. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, wandering, the nation of Israel, wandering, coming out of the coming out of Egypt and wandering through the wilderness. And what the tabernacle did was, be, was to be a reminder to the nation of Israel that they were never 
to get too comfortable in the wilderness of this world. Never, never, never. For God's people are always looking for a better city. A better city. A better place. And when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, beloved, you do understand that it was only a temporary dwelling place. It was a temporary dwelling. And as a temporary dwelling, Jesus' life was not a life of comfort. It was not a life of ease. It was always transitory. He didn't come here and establish himself in a position of comfort and ease. Because he never meant for it to be permanent. It was transitory, and everything about Jesus said he was only here for a time. He was born in a barn. He was born in a barn. When they laid him to rest as a baby, they laid him on straw. Not your pillow top mattress. He was laid on straw. Immediately when he was born, because of the persecution of Herod, his family had to rush off to Egypt. This is why he ultimately says in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20, speaking of his life and time upon the earth, that foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why? Because it's transitory. Only here. So as long as the Father has ordained, it's a season. And therefore, you can see it in his life. He endured much opposition, the Bible says, from sinners. Because it was never to be a place of comfort and ease. He had to put up with a lot of discomfort. He had to deal with earthly parents. Can you imagine? Jesus, having to deal. Now, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with your own parents. Be quiet, darling. It's difficult at times to deal with your parents, and you are sinful. Imagine the perfect, unblemished, spotless, holy, and righteous Son of God having to deal with sinful and earthly parents. Talk about discomfort. Talk about patience. He not only had to deal with earthly parents, he had to deal with the fellowship of disciples. <laughs> Those guys were pieces of work. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, I love you guys who work around here, man. You guys are great. But I have to always remind myself, you know, I, I got a sinful heart too. Forgive them, Lord. <laughs> they trying. They're doing their best. Like I tell myself, that as difficult as I think it is to live with other people, it is equally, if not more, difficult to live with me. Jesus, could never, Jesus never had to say that. 
the issue was never Jesus. It was always the disciples. Talk about discomfort. And yet, again and again, he didn't come here for comfort. He didn't come here for ease. It was only a temporary dwelling place. It was a tent. Therefore, he endured much of the indignities of sinful humanity as well. They lied on him. They spit upon him. They beat him. They mocked him. Not a life of comfort. Not a life of ease. And then he endured the, endured the humiliation of the cross. Talk about a tabernacle. Talk about a temporary time. On the cross, there he was, naked, bearing the wounds and the shame that belonged to us and us alone. Enduring it all for our sake. And because he understood that it was only a tent. It was only a tabernacle. It was only a dwelling place for a time. This should be a reminder to us this morning, indeed, as a church, that wherever we are, it's really only transitory. You do understand that. It's really only transitory. As we come into this building this morning and we move into a new location, shouldn't it put us in the mindset that, yes, we are having to pick up our tent and place it somewhere else, but it is only transitory, and God's people should always be reminded that they are transitory people. And therefore, if we are Pilgrims, if we are on this journey as with Christ, it should remind us that we are here temporarily despite the inconveniences of it all. And there are some inconveniences, indeed. Those chairs are not the most comfortable chairs in the world. They're not. The, in, the, in, the inconveniences of, of time constraints. And having to set up and the inconveniences of having to break down every Sunday. The inconveniences of the sound and the storage place. And yet, through all those inconveniences, we should be reminded once again that God's people are God's people, roof or no roof. Building or no building, bed or no bed, room or no room, we are still God's people on a journey, living as it were in temporary dwelling places. Ready, whenever he calls, to pick up and move again. Not only do we know that as a church, but we should know that as Christians, individually as well. 
that our lives are but transitory lives. Everyone here, all of us, have been put here for a season. And therefore, in our own hearts, we are never to grow too comfortable in this present world. I'll be ready at a moment's notice to go up yonder, to be moved up yonder at the call of God. Because this is just a tent. This is just a tabernacle. This is just a temporary dwelling. And we have our existence like Christ in these earthly tabernacles. Earthly tabernacles. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, speaking of these bodies, is destroyed, that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If these earthly tents, you know, it's not so much if as, as it is when, you do understand? When, when these tents, when this earthly home, when these earthly tabernacles are destroyed, we have a reality that is truer than any reality upon the earth. For the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14, for here we have no lasting city, but like Abraham, we continue to seek that city that is to come. That heavenly Jerusalem, that new heaven and that new earth. For we, like Jesus, understand that eventually this mortality must put on immortality. This corruption must give way to that which is incorruptible. But there is coming a time when we won't pinch our tent here anymore. But like Jesus, we shall dwell in the eternal house of God. The word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. He pitched his tent for a season, and therefore at Christmas time, I should be reminded again and again that my life here, like Christ was, is just transitory. I am a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. It's not a Christmas song, but perhaps we should sing it at Christmas time. This world is not my home. I'm just passing by. My home and all my treasures are laid up on high. Now, my children probably don't know that song, and so they'd sing something like, I'm living out of a suitcase. Suitcase, suitcase. Can't wait till I wave goodbye. I'm living out of a suitcase. Suitcase. Can't wait till I'm up in the sky. I'm living out of a suitcase. Suitcase. This world just ain't my home. I'm living out of a suitcase. A suitcase. Can't wait till I'm gone. 
You want something for Christmas? Get a suitcase. Get a suitcase. And be reminded that this world just ain't your home. And you want to live out of that suitcase. Jesus did. When that word became flesh, he dwelt among us. And he reminded us again and again that this world just ain't my home. I'm looking for where Jesus is. That new Jerusalem. That new heavens and that new earth. That city of God which is not made by hands. Do you have your suitcase? If you have it, beloved, get it packed and get ready to move when God says move. Let's pray.